Welcome to the Jack and John podcast. I'm Jack. And I'm John. And we're on a mission. To help you focus on Christ. Amen. So one of the things that to me, Jack, is so beautiful about our Bible is that it is a mosaic. Explain that for me. Well, you know, a mosaic is when you look at one little piece. Right. It doesn't mean much. It's just a little tile or a little stone. Um, But... As it starts getting pieced together, it starts to make sense. Mm, you start to yeah. see images. Mm. And then when you take a step back from it and you see the whole thing. It all fits together. Yeah, uh-huh. it's amazing. I, I just, for fun, was looking up the great mosaic. And uh, it, it came up with this mosaic that was discovered in 1831 on the floor of a wealthy home in Pompeii. Really? Yes. Wow. And it was a mosaic of Alexander the Great defeating Darius III. And this thing is huge. It's 2.7 meters by 5.2 meters. Um, and, and part of it's missing because, I mean, this thing dates back to 100 B.C. Right. Okay. Before the volcano erupted in Pompeii, right? Right. It's, just, <laughs> it's, it's, it's going way back. Um, so, but up close, each one of these little stones, they call it a tessera, each okay. one of these little stones, is, it's just a colored stone. And, and they don't make any sense. Um, and they're pieced together. And then when you take the step back, you see this scene and it's, it's profound. It's got Alexander and he's looking over at Darius. And you know what's going on in the story mm-hmm. just from the picture. Mm-hmm. And I think the Bible is kind of being like that. Um, and especially if you were in the first century, I mean, we look at it now, we've got the whole, we've got the mosaic, at mm-hmm. least to this point, you know, we're obviously not at the end, although, you know, John and other writers in the Bible have given us some glimpses of what it's going to look like so that we can kind of see where the mosaic is going. But if you're in the first century, right, you're still kind of in the middle of it. And a lot of the Old Testament prophecy stuff is, is kind of cryptic. It doesn't just say, oh, this is exactly what's going to happen. You know, um, you know you've heard the, the, you know, thou Bethlehem, you know, the, right. not least in the tribe of Judah. And, and these little messages that kind of give you a glimpse. And when we look back, oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But to the guy hearing it the first time, right. You know, even when Jesus came and Herod's like, um, hey, scribes, teachers of law, hey, somebody come Where's Where's the anointed one supposed to be born? Mm -hmm. You know, it just wasn't obvious. They had to figure this stuff out because it's like they're looking at a mosaic up close. Okay, so in this mosaic. I like to think of us, you know, Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the capstone. He's the whole picture. But we are living stones. Mm-hmm. Now, right. that, that's used in reference to talking about the temple, mm-hmm. which the future temple the church, yeah. is. Yeah, the future temple is not going to be a building made with hands. Mm-hmm. It's us. We're right. the living stones. And, and also in, in the sense of like this great mosaic picture, you know, we are the living stones. One of my favorite stories from the Bible happens on the Sunday after the crucifixion. The resurrection. Yeah, the, the resurrection. But before the disciples are aware 
of the resurrection, something amazing happens. Okay. Well, first, Mary and Martha go to the tomb, mm-hmm. and the angel appears to them. And Jesus appears to Mary, right? Mm-hmm. And then they go tell the disciples. That same day, this happens on the road to Emmaus. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the road to Emmaus, Jack. So there's two disciples, uh, not named, probably not one of the 12. One of them. One Cleopas yeah. is named, um, the other one not. Um, but they had heard what the women said, because they mentioned that, that they had been to, to Jesus. But they're on their way back home, okay? And it's like uh, they're stunned, because right. Jesus has been crucified and buried, and the women are saying these strange things, and they're on their way back home. It's about a seven-mile walk. About a seven-mile walk, and they're talking about all of the things that they had experienced with Christ, and somebody shows up on the road, and they don't recognize who it is. And so he starts talking to them about himself, because this is Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, shows up on the road to Emmaus, and begins to walk with these two disciples. What does he say to them before he starts talking about himself? Uh, help me. He says, why, why are you so sad? What are you guys talking about? And what do they say to him? Yeah. They basically say, haven't you heard? Yeah. yeah. Have you been living under a rock? <laughs> Cleopas literally says, are you the only person in, in Jerusalem, Jerusalem that doesn't, that doesn't know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so now, let, let me let me let me say something. I read long ago a, a wonderful wonderful story here about this. Uh, it's like if you were to get into the personal situation here, like you just did, um, you would think perhaps that Jesus would have come up to these guys because they're his disciples and would have said, "Hey guys, it's me, it's me, it's me. Look, it's me. I'm here. I'm here. I'm resurrected." You know, but he doesn't. No. You know. Well, and it says uh, he hid him. Yeah. So uh, made it so they couldn't yeah, recognize so, Yeah. So whatever that means, uh, they not recognize it. And then he starts to talk about himself. And when he's talking about himself, I mean, he's the one with all authority and he's brilliant. And he doesn't just talk about himself, but he talks about the history of Israel. Right. And yeah. he calls them after they tell why they're sad. He says, oh, foolish ones yeah. and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he interpreted for them everything that this meant. So this is clear, right? Making himself clear. And they're enthralled with this, okay? And they're still not getting it. They're still not seeing him. So, you know, they're walking along. And I suppose it's maybe getting around dinner time and they're getting to their home. And uh, the time with him is getting short. I don't know. Maybe Jesus is thinking, come on, guys. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. It says that he acts like he's got to go on first. Yeah. So he's he's going to go on. But they they don't want him to leave. They invite him to come into dinner. Come to dinner. And I think Jesus went, oh, good. Finally, a little more time. So they sit down to dinner. Now, I don't know about you, but let's just imagine, if you will, you're home back when your kids were little. My dinner time when my kids were little, it was really hard to get everybody to the table together. I don't know if that's the way yours was. It's like we're calling, 
Come on, Jared. Come. To, okay, just a minute. And the minute's not just a minute. Right. You know? The food's getting cold. Come on. And the Casey. Uh, okay, I'll be there in just a minute. And uh, finally, when you get everybody to the table, uh, you say, "Okay, finally. Okay, now we can eat." Right. So I don't know if what's going on around this this table, but they're all sitting around the table, and uh, they're eating. Now, in my home, if uh, my son set the table, help mom set the table. He would get the food and put the food close to his place, close to his plate so that he could reach the food he liked to put on the plate. So now we're past the potatoes, past the meat, past the broccoli, (laughs) whatever. And if you can just imagine that going on and, you know, Jesus is sitting there and um, he's kind of looking, he's waiting for the bread. Right. And uh, so finally, uh, Mrs. Cleopas. (laughs) says, uh, somebody give our guest the bread. <laughs> okay, you know, you follow, just kind of imagine it. And now let's get to the mosaic. And so Jesus, this is getting real familiar. All the hustle and bustle, all the stuff that's going on, everybody's buttering their bread on that side of the table. Jesus gets the bread and breaks it and shares it. And they go, it's you! And he's gone. Yeah. And he's gone. And I think for me, Jesus wants us to come to faith. When my kids were little, 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 and they're just learning to walk, what would you do to help them walk? You would sit on the edge of your chair and you'd be reaching out your hand and you say, come on, honey, you can do it. Take a step. And they're holding on to mom or the the footstool and they're just learning to walk. And they might take a wobbly step or two and, oh, there, and you, you get them and then you bring them over. That was a good job. And I picture Jesus with his disciples almost leaning across, reaching out. Okay, you can do it. Take a step of faith. It's okay if you'll just take that step. I got you. And when he broke the bread and they saw who he was, it was like they took that step of faith and Jesus said, okay. They've got it. I wanted them to say, it's you. That's why I didn't come and reveal myself in the beginning. That step of faith. And you have to make that step of faith with Jesus. When you back away from the whole story of the whole word of God, it's always going to boil down to a step of faith. Uh, John, I have a very fine young man back in Kansas where I had my ministry, and he was one of the young men that I discipled for several years. And he is now a discipler. And he has now got his group that he teaches. And he wrote me a text. He'll do it often when he has a question about the Bible or about something. He just wants to be sure. And he checks all of his, uh, makes all of his, sure all of his bases are covered. And he said, Jack, why are the books in the Bible that are in the Bible? There were other books that were written, like the book of Enoch. Sure. And he said, why isn't that in the Bible? And so we went through a series of texts back and forth about that. But finally, the bottom line on the text was, it all boils down to faith. You need to be convinced that the Word of God is true, that it's a miracle that we have it in this form, 
that this is exactly what God wanted us to have. And it is the road to everlasting life and a knowledge and understanding of the God of the universe and his son who loves us. And it's a step of faith to reach out to him and to say, it's you. I believe it's you, my savior and my God. And when we do that, then he gets us. And then we're in his hands and we're in his arms. So then they went back to Jerusalem. Interesting, you know, seven miles. And the first thing that happened on that journey is says when Jesus asked them, what are you talking about? It says they stopped. They stopped. You know, you're walking home and it's like, I can't believe this guy. And so, you know, that this walk had to take a long time because I picture them walking along and then he'll say something and they stop again. <laughs> Just know? to take it all in. Maybe. Right. Yeah, and and so seven miles, um, you know, it's not it's not every day that we walk seven miles. We hop in our car and seven miles is like, you know, I mean, you're there. Um, but but there's quite a bit of time. That, but when that I think about it, yeah. This. But then it says they ran back. Back to Jerusalem. Well, and I think, you know, this wasn't a paved road they were on either. And I know for me, I've got to pay attention to where I'm walking. Uh, The other day I was at a wrestling meet for my grandson and I was coming out of the gymnasium and I had all my stuff, you know, in my hands, my little bag with my water in it and my seat and all those things. When I stepped out of the gym, I looked up because there were things going on, the buses, the kids, and I missed a step. And when I stepped off the step, I went flat down on my face. Uh, and then about five people, could I help you, sir? Could I help you, sir? And a little girl came up and to me, could were, I help you? You were going up the steps. And I was going the down the going steps. Down the steps. And I missed the step going down, wow. and I fell down. That and, could have been really bad. Oh, it could have been bad, but praise <laughs> the Lord, angel protected me. It didn't hurt, and I got up. I was just embarrassed. My ego was hurt oh, yeah. tremendously, and I tried to disappear. <laughs> but um, the, the point about it is, is that they're walking along. There's maybe a hole, a pothole, a rock, something like that, and Jesus is saying these things. I can imagine them going, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to look at him and take this in. If I keep going, I might fall over a rock or right. something like that. True. And so I think that was a, a probably a long journey as he mm. unfolded for them from Moses and the prophets, all of the things about himself. I want to know. I want to know what he said. <laughs> it no. will be made known to you. I one know. Day, John. I know. Um, but that's the beauty of, of the, the great mosaic of scripture, because it does all tie together. And, you know, Jesus wasn't messing around when he said for Moses and all of the prophets, um, because everything in the Bible Every points to points him. To and, uh, you know, Jack, you talked about him being an important part of history. He's the central focal point yeah, of history. Yeah, more than an important part. Yeah. He's the central. Because even our calendar is right. wrapped around him. And the enemies of God fight that to the point that now they want to change B.C. to B.C.E. Mm-hmm. Because they don't want to think of before Christ. 
They want to de- deny that and say before the common era. Okay, what defines that common era? Christ. It's lunacy. Um, you, you call it what you want. I, I, I mean, I really don't care. Well, I'm but... going to even say this. Okay, here's <laughs> here's my faith. Okay, Colossians chapter one says that He holds all things together. Right. I picture that even this whole world and everything in it is being held together by God. Sure. And all he has to do for chaos and for the end is to let go. Mm -hmm. I believe God holds together our world. And I think that we do have the presence of God. Even an infidel still enjoys the presence of God in this world and the blessings of God that we have in this world, because there are many that he pours out on us. I just cringe at the day that there will be those who will be cast out of his presence. And when you're cast out of his presence, I think that would be the worst thing about hell. It wouldn't be the fire to me. It would be being void of the presence of God. That would, to me, be the worst part of hell. So he invites us to come into relationship, into fellowship with him. And that's the cool thing about eternity. It's not just going to be where we're going to sing in the angelic choir, holy, holy, holy is Lord God Almighty, right. but we're going to be in fellowship with God. You know, we're skeptical by nature. Um, it, it, you know, you talk about a little kid being gullible, but, you know, as we grow out of that, so to speak, you know, we become skeptical um, of so many things. And... We talk about this road to Emmaus and what a fascinating thing that was. And just imagining being one of those two that's listening to Jesus tell the story. But they ran back to Jerusalem and they told the 10 disciples who were there um, because Thomas wasn't there. Okay, and what happens? They didn't believe Mary and Martha came and told them didn't believe Peter and John went to the tomb, didn't believe Cleopas and the other disciple come back and tell them, hey, we saw Jesus. They didn't believe. These are the guys that spent three years mm-hmm. with Jesus, 24-7. He, he, he heals the lame. He raises the dead, feeds 5,000. Not only that, but I was going to go back to what you said. I think the last episode, I'm, I'm my short-term memory, <laughs> but it was about... Lord, and you said he causes it to happen. I think you used those terms, meaning of I am, the last episode, or Lord. I would even say, I would would want to qualify that uh, just, just for people to understand even better. He causes what to happen? Creation. Do this. Right. He caused it to happen. Go out and look outside at the at the the clouds rolling by. He caused it to happen. Look at the grass growing or the the snow that has fallen. He caused it to happen. Do this. He caused it to happen. He causes everything to happen. We can see him in nature, in creation, inside ourselves. We can see him everywhere. And for them not to pay attention. And I would have to say really quickly, I do that so often. Oh, yeah. Don't pay attention to the obvious Yeah, I'm not saying that to pick on the the disciples. You know, and and we, for for generations, have picked on poor Thomas, you know, old doubting Thomas. And 
They all he, just, he was no different than the other guys. They no, all when he doubted was, him. When, they, when he was in Bethany, you want to give Thomas a little hurrah here. Yeah. Hurrah for Thomas. Uh, Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be turned over to wicked men, and I'm going to be crucified and killed. And Thomas says, let us go to Jerusalem and die with him. So he wanted to do well, but what he gets kind of hurt for is when he said, I wouldn't believe until I touched the nail prints in his hands and, mm-hmm. and the spear in his side. This is the part I wanted to talk about when we were talking about Jesus. That I butted Jesus. in on you no, probably. No, no, no. At the la- the, our last episode, we were talking about the descriptions of, of Jesus in the Bible. Um, when he appears to the disciples, okay, he just appears, all right? Um, they thought they were seeing a ghost. A ghost. Mm. And he says to them, touch me and see, Mm -hmm. okay? Because he was obviously in his transformed, Mm. resurrected body, Mm -hmm. okay? He's in the body that's like the body he's going to give to us when we are resurrected. But he eats with them. Exactly. Showing true resurrection. Right, and he's like, you know, touch me. Touch, and they... Thomas touches the wound in his side and he touches his hands and he believes, <laughs> you know, and then Jesus says, blessed are you, Thomas, who believe and more so are those who believe and have not seen. You know, it never says he did touch him. I, the, oh. the way I vision this is Jesus says, here, touch these. And Thomas falls to his knees and says, my Lord and my God. Yeah. He confesses him. He says, my Lord and my God. Yeah. That's the confession of Thomas. So, yeah. I, I just want you to imagine yourself on the road to Emmaus. I'm going to say that was a female disciple. It was Mr. and Mrs. Cleopas. How about that going home? So, all you couples out there. There's lots of thoughts about it. <laughs> one, of the, one of the traditions is that uh, Cleopas was actually an uncle there you go. of Jesus. Uh, I don't know. Well, well, doesn't, no doesn't, doesn't matter. You know? <laughs> doesn't matter. Um, but um, here we are telling that same story, 2,000 yeah. years old, yeah. you know, and even older because mm-hmm. he was and is and is to come. Amen. I hope, folks, that the, the things that we say, I hope that they help you focus on Christ. Um, that's the whole point of what we're doing here. Um, Jesus is our reason for being. Um, He's the one who causes it all. He brought us to life, and he gives us new life. And I think there's honestly some bit of magic in that breaking of the bread, because Mm -hmm. when he broke the bread, their eyes were were open. And he is the bread of life, (laughs) and he offers himself to us to consume him and be filled with him. Um, Get excited and go share. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. We love you guys. Um, We'd love to hear from you. And we'll see you next time. Mm.